Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling, and officially your NBA draft podcast for the Rise Podcast Network. Uh, we are here with Rise to bring you everything and anything NBA draft related. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling. We are here live on halftime, and we're going to talk about the 2020 draft. Um, it's a little early to be pulling receipts on the 2020 draft, if we're being completely honest. But I still think there's a lot to learn from how we evaluated players. And sort of, you know, the 2021 draft was my first draft ever on draft Twitter. So I feel like I've learned a lot from this sort of communal space. And looking back on how I evaluated 2020 is really interesting. Um, but we're going to start at the top. You know, James Wiseman ended up going two. But I think for the most part, there was a top two that didn't include him on most boards. And that would be Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. I want to hear if you guys also have those guys one and two or where you were at. Uh, Buttermilk? Ah, man. <laughs> I had them two and three, uh, Anthony Edwards second and LaMelo third. Uh, I ended up, like, I think in September of this cycle, so normally I would not have had this much time to, like, make this late cycle switch. But um, I think PD's uh, podcast with the Pretzel Pro guys on Killing Hayes, like an hour-long extravaganza, was, like, the pivoting moment where I was just like, you know what, I'm going to embrace the Killing Hayes bet because Anthony Edwards did have his flaws right. But uh, it's one I kind of regret because I was basically Anthony Edwards' number one guy until, like, fall, basically. So Interesting. So I had Killian Hayes exactly where he went at seven. So I was – I never really bought into that draft Twitter hype. You were not the only person to have Killian Hayes one. I remember uh, Evan Zaucha mentioned in a pod that he had Killian Hayes one. Um, you know, there were plenty of people to have Killian Hayes at the top of their board. So you were not alone. I had the level one and then, uh, and this is a bit embarrassing, but I had Anthony Edwards 11. Uh, we'll dive into that later, but stone, I want to hear. You. Uh, my top two were, was Lamelo one and Killian Hayes two. Um, I really liked Killian Hayes. I still do like Killian Hayes. Um, he was like not far behind LaMelo as a passer, which is pretty crazy to say because like Killian Hayes was a phenomenal passer and, and still is, I think he's a pretty good defender. Um, I guess I didn't account for uh, how raw he was offensively in terms of like shooting and stuff like that, but he had a lot of um, shooting projections that I bought into, uh, especially like the movement stuff and more off the dribble stuff. Really good one-handed passer, so I bought into all of it, and I had him as, like, 1A and 1B, and, and Killian was my 1B. Uh, then I had Anthony Edwards all the way down at 7, so I was not a huge Anthony Edwards fan in relative to other people. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. And again, I think I bought too much into... Probably, I'll just be honest, like I probably bought too much into the Andrew Wiggins comp with Anthony Edwards. Um, I think that was bad process by me. Uh, my two and three in the same tier as LaMelo were Alexei Pukasevsky and RJ Hampton. Um, and to be oh honest, God. Wow. I don't think <laughs> they're oh my gosh. 
I don't think I necessarily change it all that much. Uh, you know, uh, Coop, I want to. Uh, my top two are the only correct top two, and that's uh, Lamelo at one, and uh, and Killian Hayes at two. Yes. Uh, yes. Fall- yeah, exactly. It's the only correct one two, mm. with with a close third being uh, Isaac Okoro. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I loved I loved Lamelo. Uh, Lamelo, he was like the first guy who I like really like really tracked down like as all as much film as I could and like did like a real deep dive into. And he was just like, his passing kind of blew me away. I thought a lot of the defensive stuff was overblown, but his, like, I, yeah, I overthought LaMelo like a lot as <laughs> compared to you. Um, just cause like, I didn't know what to make the, the NBL context as far as just like how to evaluate it. Like what to like compare it to, I guess, kind of, um, the scoring efficiency to me was really hard for me to buy in to because um, I was yeah. – I questioned with Josh Giddy this year or uh, just with, like, the how valuable is passing if you can't, like, have threatened enough with your scoring package, right? So, yeah, but I, I – then again, he's 6'7", he can pass the way he does and, like, actually looked pretty freaking good in the NBL as a team – like, as young as he was too. And, yeah, just for that reason, he did my top three, but – I, I just overthought it. I think he's one of the most polarizing players I've ever scouted too. Like as far as just what to make of him as a draft prospect, I think him and Lonzo are by far the two most like weird, most say, difficult guys the... I've ever had to like uh, evaluate because I just didn't know how to tra- like I didn't know at all how it would translate, but I just knew there was there's something special with the with those brothers. So yeah. And Lonzo. So are you a Leangelo fan player. as well? Uh, <laughs> no worries, I'm just shitposting. <laughs> no comment on that, but I will say with Lamelo, like like you mentioned, you were worried about how good of a pass can you be if you can't score. That was much more my worry with Killian Hayes. Um, I bought Lamelo's shot more than I bought Hayes's, um, and I thought Lamelo's handle would be good enough that he could just figure out a way to score enough. I mean. He was a bad rim finisher in the NBL, but, like, he wasn't horrible at getting to the rim. He obviously has incredible touch. He hit, like, way too many agents of floaters. Um, so, like, I thought the – I always thought the can he score stuff was overblown with LaMelo and sort of under-discussed with Killian. Uh, Davis, I want to hear you. Um, I, I actually had Edwards and, and LaMelo. Um, I – stuck on the Edwards train. I kind of still like Edwards, um, even though at this point I'd probably probably switch it to LaMelo, but um, yeah, I had I had Edwards 1, LaMelo 2, and then my 3 is probably where it got surprising. Yeah, so 3 is, is where a lot of people got crazy. Um, for me, that was more like 4, um, and that's because this draft had like a solid lot of wings. And I'm interested to see where you guys were all at. Um, I'm talking, of course, about Isaac Coro, Devin Vassell, and Patrick Williams. Uh, Patrick Williams went four. Isaac Coro went five. Devin Vassell fell all the way to 13. But this was still generally seen as sort of the kind of three wings that at least once the draft time came were, were viewed as these high lottery guys. Um, for me, I had a core on Vassell four and five, and then I was way too low on Patrick Williams at 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see where you guys had those three. 
Uh, David. Um. So, Okoro, I was actually pretty low on all three. I think Okoro, Okoro was about 11th. Um, Vassal is a little later, like about 16th. And then Patrick Williams, I just didn't watch enough of. And he started, like, rising as of late. Um, but I just I just didn't see enough, like, in-game and, and stuff like that. So he was pretty low. He was, like, 21 or something like that. So I that was definitely a mistake there. Um, I just didn't watch enough of him at the time, though. Interesting. Buttermilk, uh, you and Stone were the two most sort of plugged into draft Twitter at the time. Uh, I'd honestly like be interested to hear what draft Twitter's consensus on these guys were and then what you were. I think Vassell, by the end of the cycle, had pushed himself into like the top five discussion. I had a four. I think uh, what draft Twitter really valued was just the off-ball defense and just how outlier he was as far as that regards. Um, just yeah, it's a super, uh, super, super impactful trait to have. Like the amount of just uh, defensive playmaking he he showed off. Um, I think I don't know. There's enough enough pull up equity as well, and there was enough just like feel indicators that like this is a passable shoot wing with uh, three level scoring. Hopefully, eventually, but at the very least, uh, it should shoot and should defend at a super high level. Um, so that was an easy case for him. Um, I had Patrick Williams at eight or a nine, um, which was, I think, somewhat pretty high at the time. Um, I think Patrick Williams was a guy who was like a borderline lottery guy for most of the cycle and then suddenly had like a super drastic late um, cycle push. Uh, I think him going at number four is something that it's going to get lost in like the retrospectively that like how much of a shocking pick that was at the time. I I didn't really see that coming as far as just Patrick Williams being a top five pick. I thought he was going to probably be closer to 10 or 11. Um, so, yeah, uh, loved him just because he was super young and just fit the archetype of a player that I really covet, which is the rim-protecting four with some pull-up jumper equity, like the Jaden McDaniel type of guy. Um, and, yeah, apparently he had way better handles than I anticipated. And I think if I had – I don't know, if I had actually bought the offseason uh, – like a <laughs> private gym tape, I would probably have bumped them into my top five. Um, but that's just talking with hindsight. And lastly, but not least, is a Coro. I think I was lower. I was definitely lower on a Coro than most, just because of the shooting concerns for me, for the most part. Um, but I think he was pretty consensus top ten lock for the most part. Um, a lot of people had him top five, obviously, in this group chat as well. Um, and just, yeah, what's there not to love as far as anything outside the shooting, as far as just the defense, the just the winning that surrounds him as far as their position coming out of uh, Georgia high school basketball, forget the name. And um, just, yeah, just a guy who showed really impressive flashing, really impressive passing, and just is a jump shot away from being a really, really, really good player. So, yeah, all three were lottery consensus guys. Yeah, and I think that was probably right. I, again, I was too low on Williams because um, I think I just over I overthought like that he wasn't good enough at anything except maybe that um, sort of rim protecting four aspect. I didn't buy the shot as much as I should have. I didn't buy the handle as much as I should have. I just think I overthought that not one of those things was good enough when the package itself sort of works well um i just think i sort of overshot that uh vassell and akora i was all in on 
Of course I was because um, last time I checked, they're between six seven or six six and six nine. And if you're between those heights and you play the wing, then uh, I love you. So of course I was in I was in on those guys. Uh, Akoro especially was one who captivated me because I was really in on him as a potential like full on wing stopper. I thought he could be OG and Anobi defensively type guy. Um, that was probably a little misguided because I don't think he's that big. But that was sort of where I was feeling with him. Uh, Stone, I'd be interested to hear what you um, Yeah, actually, none of these guys were in my top five, um, which might be a mistake. But So I had Patrick Williams, eight, and his teammate Vassell at number nine. Uh, and then I had Okoro at 13, which I was a little bit lower on, mostly because of the shooting. Like, it actually was a real concern for me. Um, still sort of is to a degree, honestly. Like, I'm not sure he's ever going to be even a league average type guy. Um, there might be, a, there's a chance he's always below average for his career as a shooter um, in, in a Sorry lot of aspects. But, like, he really What's reminds up? me of, like, Scotty Barnes in that respect, as far as just, like, the everyone liked him just because he had everything but the shooting. He's just, like, a smaller yeah. version. Here's some, there's some differences, obviously, but, like, just as far as, like, the, the theory behind him, I, I think they're very similar. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I was a little bit lower on a core. It was mostly the shooting. Um, the the one guy this might come back to bite me, and probably already has. But the guy I had above all of them at number three for me was Denny Avdia, um, because I thought he was like a really strong defender and really good, uh, at least like secondary playmaker. Um, he's probably like in, he got drafted to like the worst possible context he possibly could have. Um, and now that he doesn't have an advantage creator like Russell Westbrook, that takes away a lot of his value as a cutter. But um, I think that that's probably like my uh, my big miss from this class. Yeah, I was never very in on Obdia. I just didn't think he was very athletic, and I didn't really think he could shoot. And um, when that's a combination you have, it's it's always tough for me to buy you if you're not like an uber skilled five for the most part. Um, Coop, you're the last guy. How- uh, these were, well, uh, Akoro and uh, Vassell were my guys. I had them at three and four, respectively. Uh, I just love defensive-minded wings, and especially with Akoro, ones that can pass. Uh, and just, were just so long and athletic. And then I had Williams at eight. Uh, I really liked his, you know, weak side rim rotation stuff. And then I kind of bought the shooting potential. Uh did not see the the mid-range shooting development but it was like his season in in chicago i thought was really uh, really exciting compared to how he came in he's ridiculously young too which i feel like oh yeah was understated with this class because i feel like i'm pretty sure anthony edwards Lamelo ball and patrick williams are all younger than like jalen suggs and evan mobley like still right so I think as far as just, yeah, as far as I think that should be mentioned a lot because that's what makes the top of this class, I feel like, somewhat special. Yeah, um, this class was super young. Uh, I still think Evan Mobley should have reclassed. He would have been the number one overall pick. Um, so, so okay, you take... and me disagreed a lot on Denny because um, I had Denny. Let me double check. I had Denny really low. I had Denny at 13 just because, uh, yeah, just because I didn't really buy the shooting or defense enough 
for me to really and he was just like to me a Swiss army knife jack of all trades type that just didn't have enough I don't know of anything other than maybe just like the feel and positioning and the pedigree playing on like Maccabi Tel Aviv which is a very 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 good team in Europe so uh, I yeah I'm curious to think like to hear what you thought like the idealized version of Denny would would have looked like um yeah I mean like I said I think the Wizards is a terrible context for him um I would have liked to have seen him in a context where he's able to kind of show I think he has some secondary playmaker equity um I think he's I really bought the defense. Um, maybe that was me watching too much of him next to uh, Yal Madar and being too enthused about that. But I, I thought he was a pretty good defender. Um, and if he was in the ideal context, I think he would be next to like a um, like an offensive engine who can create advantages for him as a cutter and sort of ease his way in and then force him into spot-up situations as a shooter to get him more comfortable in that regard. Um, and I don't really think he has any of that now in, on the Wizards. Um, I thought he... I'm, I'm super high on, like, intangibles and field-type stuff, so if um, you have those things, I'm probably going to be higher than most on you. So that that's probably just a, a big portion of why I was high on him. Did you um, think he had star potential, though? Like, what you're describing kind of sounds like, I don't know, kind of like a Joe Ingles type to me, and I don't know if that's just, like, I, I, that's no, something that you value that much, or, like, I don't know. Because for me, the reason I didn't see the top five pipe, like, I didn't buy it, was the reason um, was I didn't buy the rim pressure, and I just didn't buy the pull-up, like, equity enough. Like, I didn't see either one of them, like, uh, threatening a defense enough in order to, like, use the playmaking that he had, right? So that was just my my like I just couldn't get over that so yeah I mean honestly in this class outside of Lamelo and then maybe like Edwards and Hayes I, I knew Edwards would put up numbers I just didn't know how um conducive they would be to winning that's why I was lower on him but like outside of those guys like I didn't really see honestly like any all-stars even in this class like it it just wasn't a very like star heavy class for me Okay, um, yeah, yeah. so probably talk um, about James Wiseman. Um, he went second, and that was a controversial pick at the time, but it was certainly more controversial on draft. But yeah, like Wiseman, I think that was one of the biggest, like in recent memory, uh, differentials between like a lot of like draft circles within either draft Twitter or or just draft circles in general, as opposed to how the mainstream covered him. He was somebody that I think has always had this pedigree since high school as like a top five guy locked in um, in, in top three in all, most cases. Uh, so it was not really that surprising when he went that high, but um, like personally, I had him outside my lottery. I actually had him 18th on my board. I was super low on him. And, re- and relative to most people, I just didn't see um, what he does to create for himself on a consistent basis. I didn't think he was as good of a defender as people made him out to be, or as mobile even. Um, and I think there's still pathways for him to be like even a starter, but I just don't think it's going to come in time for the, the uh, Warriors to really maximize their champion.
I, yeah, I did not like the Wyden pick whatsoever. I, I think you had him 18th. I had him 19th, so I, yeah, but this is low as you were on just Wiseman's like, just potential. I don't know. He was a guy that I thought was, it's it, like, he was a Darius Garland type in that he had a really small sample, but he had an even smaller sample for his college season, right? He had, like, a, what, a three-game stretch? Like, uh, and most of Yeah, I being, think Garland had yeah. five, at least. <laughs> yeah, and with Wiseman, like, two of the three were, like, against really bad competition, and that one Oregon game was, like, a game that he really struggled in and almost fouled out by halftime, so I, yeah, I I, it, it was just like an argument based on tools and like just way too much theoretical stuff for me. Um, I think I, I just the blue ship big for me is something that you should be wary of as far as just anchoring bias because I think it's very easy for when you're seven feet tall to be dominant in high school level competition. Like it's I, I, that's simply it for the most part. Um, and like just. To me, I view college season as a great filter for a lot of these type of players. Like it's, it's very much. Um, I I don't nearly value the high school sample as much as I do for say like guards like Cole Anthony, right? Um, and it's for this reason. It's just that the I think the college game does a pretty good uh, job of basically showing you what the good bigs are going to be and who the bad NBA bigs are going to be, and it's pretty clear to me. And to me, Wiseman had a really difficult case for good. And it's just one of those things that I just couldn't see enough. But again, like people compared him to Chris Bosch and stuff based off like perimeter skill stuff. And I, for one, hadn't seen enough of it. Um, I was kind of worried that he perceived himself as like a Giannis Antetokounmpo or Kevin Durant, I think is what he answered when he was asked. And to me, that's just, he's more of a rim running guy that can give you maybe some mid-range game eventually. But like, I just, yeah. I just I was so off, far off from what his perception of what he was, what the media thought he was, and I just felt kind of confused. Other than with the, among draft Twitter, right? So yeah, I think a lot of these guys sort of get that high school pedigree and are um, sort of regarded as these guys and given this like presumptive crown of of their class before we really like had a chance to, um, you know, for them to prove it really, or, or even build upon things like we've seen it with Imani Bates right now. He got sort of crowned as this prodigy at like 14 and it hasn't really been that go yet. And he's been stagnant in development in certain areas. And that's sort of another story, but it's just something that I think applies to Wiseman as well. Um, but before we kind of like, uh, move on to the, the final part, um, I'm going to give you three guards here and sort of give me your take on them or how you viewed them pre-draft. Um, uh, I'll start with Cole Anthony, uh, Kira Lewis Jr., and then Tyrese Maxey. What were your viewpoints on those three guys? Those are a great bunch of names because I think that was my biggest headache in the cycle, probably straight up, as far as just like raking my top ten. I think those three guards gave me the most trouble out of anyone other than maybe like Patrick Williams, Poku, and, like, Okoro, I guess. But um, I had Cole Anthony 6, I had Kira Lewis 7, and I had Tyrese Maxey 10, uh, all in the same tier, so the margins are super slim. Um, yeah, so I have the Cole Anthony. I just kind of bought the high school tape more than anything. He was a very dominant UIBL player, uh, put up average a triple-double at uh, Oak Hill. Um, and just, yeah, the pedigree to me was there. The flashes of shot-making were just so insane at those levels that I just felt like 
the UNC context, which did not do him any favors whatsoever. One of the roughest contexts in the whole draft. Um, I, I just thought, as far as a draft that didn't have much star equity, this is a guy that coming into the season was viewed as like the number one guy uh, in the class. And I just thought there was only so much he could fall, really, in, in a class that was just devoid of quote-unquote star potential at the time. Uh, I thought he was a, a swing worth swinging on, right? Um Kira Lewis at number six is a guy I really liked as far as just like, I just think there's a lot of context that he would have fit in. Um, really good pass and shoot shooter, extremely fast in transition and like a great open court uh, guard. It just, and I don't know. He just had enough special as far as the physical attributes and the fact that he had two years of NCAA SEC D1 college basketball experience as like a teenager still as a draft day that really meant a lot to me um and so yeah uh and as far as Tyrese Maxey Tyrese Maxey was my 10th guy to round up my top 10 um just kind of like the vibes of him honestly and this was more so a bet on just Kentucky uh, somehow limiting its, its two guards, like a uh, potential or durability to like show off to the, the full extent. Um, I don't think he was uh, like utilized on ball nearly enough at his one season. Um, and I think he's shown like in the NBA so far that he's going to easily outplay his draft position. So um, I think he's a easy lottery guy in redraft. So. Yeah, uh, we're on the same wavelength, I think, because I had those guys all within, like, two spots of where you said. Uh, Bryce, is your sound back on? And if so, what what were your thoughts on those guys? Uh, you guys have to tell me if my sound is back on. I've been Sounds been... good to us right now. Sounds good, okay. yeah. yeah. Again, but uh, I was low on two of the three of these guys. I like Kyra Lewis a lot because I thought he could um, – I bought, like, him as an off-ball player uh, – and and sort of I like I wasn't absurdly high on him. I think I had him like 15. Um, the highest I had a guard in this class was Malachi Flynn. Uh, I had him at six. Um, Tyrese Maxey I had down at like 20, and I had Cole Anthony like like below that. I had Cole Anthony Boo. as a set. Effect. Um, nice, I was did I die again or am I? No no no. I was no you're good. Um, I, yeah, I know. And, and, you know, I actually still don't hate my process with that, especially the Cole Anthony one. Um, I still am not huge on Cole Anthony. I thought he does one thing at an NBA level and that's shoot pull-ups. Um, and I'm like, that's fine, but I really didn't think he was a good passer. And something I've talked about a lot is that I want, you know, the point guards I'm in on are point guards. I think can run a, like a solid, good pick and roll and have that be an okay source of offense. And I just, I didn't see that with Cole Anthony. And I didn't think he was good enough defensively or good enough connective passer to kind of be the Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Suggs archetype of a connecting point guard. So I thought he was sort of a man without a country. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, I had at 20, which is going to seem low to some. I don't buy like star equity, equity with Tyrese Maxey even still. I think his best role is going to be mostly as sort of a spark plug bench guy. He's not really a playmaker for others. Um, I think he's always going to be a somewhat inefficient jump shooter. He's just sort of a bet on like insane finishing. Um, And which is a fine bet to make around 20 uh, where the Sixers made it. But I I didn't quite get the, like there were some people that had him top five. 
I didn't quite get that at all. Um, and then Kyra, I had like right outside my lottery or sort of at the back end of it. I can't quite remember, but, uh, like I just bought him more as an off ball player. Um, I thought he could be a solid, you know, he could run a solid pick and roll and and he could really play well off of, uh, a primary initiator who, if he creates the advantage, Kyra could really, um, keep that advantage and, and keep the offense moving. So that's where I was at difference i think I, I i viewed all these guys as kind of like combo guards honestly um and Same. attributed them the benefit of like what you gave um kira lewis like he, this is a guy that can play off a bigger initiator basically and should like just at the one or two but even at the one right next to like a luca type or something which at the time was like a, a reasonable like destination for this guy uh zion as well um with kira lewis ended up like i just thought they would I don't know. I just thought they could fit that role that is becoming much more viable in today's NBA, which used to not be. Um, you used to need your lead guard to, as you say, be able to run pick and roll actions at a super high level. And I don't think that's quite necessary to the same extent. I think you still need a lot of the dynamism that that kind of archetype provides. But as far as just bigger initiators being a more common thing, I thought um, these kind of short guards that have some not the most perfect like primary initiator lead guard whatever you want to call it equity but have enough of the creation as far as just getting to their shots as far as just like being able to get their shot basically get to their shot and make buckets and and cause strain on a defense uh constantly i thought these three could do that really well so yeah um i was a big cole anthony fan um still am actually I think I thought he was a really good tough shot maker. Um, I thought UNC was like the worst possible developmental context for him, um, and that he was a really dominant scorer. Uh, and I think he still has the opportunity to to show that, and he showed glimpses of it glimpses of it in his rookie year. Uh, Kira, I thought, was an underrated defender actually, despite his size. Um, he seemed to really uh, be knowledgeable in terms of where to position himself in order to minimize the um the negatives that come along with his size uh and i thought he was a good enough um primary initiator and a solid off-ball guy so i and i loved his speed so i had him sixth on my board um and then i know that uh a lot of people were super high on maxi they had him like top five or top three even i saw uh, I wasn't quite there. I had him at 12, but I did see um, somebody who could be a two-way initiator, and that's sort of what he's been uh, in the opportunities that he's gotten for Philadelphia, and, and maybe more to come now when Ben Simmons leaves, depending upon what's coming back. So I was relatively in on all those guys and, and still remain. Uh, I think it's very difficult to be too in or out on guys at this point, uh, only a year into their careers. Um, but that said, uh, we'll, we'll put that to the test a little bit um before we get out of here so give me your biggest hit and your biggest miss for this class Ooh, that's tough um my biggest miss i'm comfortable saying was patrick williams who i had at 15 um i really like patrick williams now i really buy him as a a really good forward wing you know um buttermilk mentioned sort of in that uh, Jaden McDaniels role. We all know how much I love Jaden McDaniels. So yeah, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that was a big miss of mine. And I think 
with sort of my my somewhat newfound philosophy, my new perspective on things, um, I would have been high on him during the draft had I had had I been as into it as I am now. Um, and then my biggest hit is tough because it's so early to to pull receipts. Because um, you know, not only was is this are these guys just going to be sophomores, but also the pandemic, like like the worst possible type of rookie season you could have. Um, this will seem premature to some, but I am still very confident in my RJ Hampton evaluation, having him top three. Um, I am very comfortable that uh, he can be that level of player uh, in the NBA. Um, he is probably going to take a huge step in usage this year uh, because like the magic need him to be an on ball initiator. Um and I just, I think he'll step up and do that really well. Uh, you know, he's going to have some growing pains, but he is a very, very functional athlete with good feel and a shot I, I buy. Um, to me, that's all the makings of a solid starting guard with wing size. So I'm comfortable in having him. as. We're going to have to have some talks because I was very out on RJ Barrett, or excuse me, RJ Hampton. Uh, both the RJs, really, but especially Hampton. So we're going to have to talk about this. Uh, Buttermilk, who who was your biggest hit from this class, and who was your biggest miss? Um, biggest hit is kind of hard because it's so early. Um, I miss, I can confidently say it was probably Tyrese Halliburton at 12. I had him a tier below uh, Cole Anthony, Kira Lewis, and Maxi. Because just simply, I just didn't know how this scoring was going to translate as far as just how he was going to get to his shots and how the playmaking was going to translate if he couldn't score. That's something I go back to a lot. Um, obviously, that's translated way better than I predicted. Um, I didn't think the pull-up jumper would have looked this move. I didn't know just the mid-range game, just like pulling up off of screens and stuff. Like just it's further ahead than I had anticipated. Um and it's enough to where when you combine it with his size and just like his feel, um, it's just you have a really good player who's pretty young still. And if he can figure out how to polish up some of the handle stuff, like there might be something really special with Tyrese Halliburton. So um, as far as hit, I don't know. Was J.D. McDaniels, I think J.D. McDaniels at 16 was kind of somewhat tighter than Dead Graph Twitter, especially because I think um, – if I remember right, McDaniel's was 28th on the consensus draft Twitter board. Um, correct me if I'm that sounds wrong, but um, I had him that at 16 simply. Correct. Yeah, I had him at 16 simply because I liked the archetype, um, and I saw enough flashes at Washington as far as the defense goes, and as just as far as the shooting goes. I thought both those were pretty decent checkboxes to check off because I thought those looked good. And when you combine that as a teenager at 6'10", I mean, if you can shoot in the fen, you're going to get some playing time. And coming off of the high school tape, looking at, like, how how much the – I don't know, just how much he was used as a primary scorer, maybe there's some upside there as far as just some – I'm not going to go this far, but, like, 75% of Michael Porter Jr. kind of stuff, just as a 6'10 guy that can, like, just have an unblockable shot whenever he wants. Um and with some special, I'm not going to go all the way, but like some 75% Jonathan Isaac type of defensive outcomes, I thought that player is something you just kind of swing on, uh, especially in this class. So, um, But then again, I had a Zia Joe at 14, so eh, 
I'm gonna because I had uh, Jada McDaniel's at eight. So oh uh, yeah, that looks nice. <laughs> you can yeah. definitely my 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 uh my my Washington bias with, with Malachi Flynn at six and Jada McDaniel's at eight. Yeah, definitely see it. <laughs> I, I wish I had both those guys much higher than I did. Um, but I'll, I'll round it out here before we get out of here. I'll say that my biggest miss, I can confidently say, was Isaiah Stewart um, at 76th on my board. Uh, I was, <laughs> as someone just left the room after I said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't blame you. Um, that I, I tried to take away something from each class. I feel like you can always get better as an evaluator. Um, and I tried to use Isaiah Stewart as sort of a test case in that. And what did I miss? Um, and try to apply it to future draft classes. Um, I, I was very on, out on him. I just didn't see really any of the shooting. I didn't see him being as um, quick a decision maker as he was or processor. Uh, and he proved me wrong in all assets aspects of that uh and i'm very happy because um i want the best for a lot of these players and i want them to reach their highest potential so the fact that he far outweighed or outblew my ranking of him uh and far exceeded my expectations is a good thing uh even though it makes me look dumb and my biggest hit i would say is i would say desmond bain at 16 um i feel like that's about right for him in that sort of area where I think he's, uh, I mean, I would imagine Bryce was super high on him just because he, he has absolute pythons for arms. But um, <laughs> I think he is a really um, just, he, he's a better playmaker than I think he was able to showcase in Memphis. Uh, he's obviously a really good shooter um, and defensively is a positive on that end, I would say. So, um, just all those things put together makes for a really valuable player and just, just, you know, drafted a good player and, and stuck with it. And I think it's paying dividends. Uh, and my final guy that I would say I, I actually hit on, even though he hasn't played an NBA game yet, but I'll continue to die for, uh, die on the hill for him is Leandro Balmero. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good player and hopefully he can prove that with the Timberwolves this season. Um, but with that said, uh, we want to thank everybody who joined us despite the technical difficulties. Um, you can follow all of us on Twitter. I know uh, Bryce is at Bryce Hendrick 14 um, at Buttermilk Jesus was kind enough to join us today um, at Cooper underscore Rockets was with us and at Sports by Davis. And you can follow me at report underscore court. If you want to follow the podcast at Upside Swings. Um, this has been a really fun exercise to go back and sort of see what we uh, got right and got wrong over the past few years. Um, So thanks for everybody for going on this walk down memory lane with us. Uh, And we'll keep coming with, uh, with more live shows each week. So stay tuned. Thanks. Bye. We hope you hit our ceiling. We hope you hit our ceiling.